Welcome to the Pray This Way podcast, where you'll find weekly discussions and guided prayers taken from Scripture and modeled after the Lord's Prayer. Subscribe wherever you listen and let God guide your conversation through His Word. Psalm 131, and we're reading English Standard Version, a song of a sense of David. O Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. But I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. All right, Pastor, how do we unpack this? What a great uh, psalm for us to start with. There's three verses, but so much in here, as we're saying. Right at the beginning, you don't want to miss the little description up top, which is actually called the superscript or superscription. It tells you that these were the songs of ascent. Songs of ascent were given to Israel to sing and to use to to teach their kids while they're heading up to Jerusalem for all their festivals. This is incredible. This is actually their road trip mixtape that they made. Road trip music to teach, to have common songs, to build theology, and to point their hearts to the Lord. There's about 15 of them in the scripture, and I always think the context that they're given to Israel on the way to Jerusalem. And it starts with verse 1 again. O Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. So the writer here, the psalmist starts with a bold declaration of where his heart is not focused. He knows his his heart, his eyes, they're not occupied with what seems to be the wrong things from the context of this. Uh, Now, what's interesting, just 10 Psalms prior, Psalms 121, the singer there lifts his eyes up to the hills for help, help from the Lord. But here the focus isn't on looking for the Lord, but where are we looking to find the fulfillment of our desires? We keep seeing our circumstances, the pain we've gone through, and we're asking, why did this happen, Lord? Or maybe for you, it's an if. If this hadn't happened, God, if you hadn't done this, or if he had done what I begged you to do, or if those people hadn't done that to me, and we just get fully consumed with the ifs and the whys. Right. Yeah. I, that hits me when, when I first read through it, I, I definitely had that in mind. It, it was, I, I instantly started thinking of my own life and I, I was thinking of, of others. And I've seen recently a lot of posts out there of people talking about how to deal with being behind in life, that somehow you're missing out. I'm in my twenties and I feel behind mm-hmm. I'm in my 30s. I feel behind. I I literally have seen a post for for every decade. I'm in my teens. I'm in my 20s, 30s, 40s, and I'm I'm feeling behind. I'm missing out. I thought I would have more. This is why we want to ponder this. We're we're 
struggling with this. We we think we know where we want to go in life. We think we know what's going to make us happy. Um, this ambition, the desire, the longing, and and regardless of why this was written, this is what it's dealing with. What do we do with that when our circumstances currently aren't where we want them to be, or what we have is not what we think we need to have to be happy? There's that longing that we do with the longing. It comes from pain sometimes, it comes from desire, and that's the nature of the longing in this song. I think it's also interesting to look at what we are to consider, considering things too great or too high. In the very next verse, the psalmist is going to bring children into this, and that's a helpful clue for interpreting this psalm. I, right now, have a weaned child, and we still have to save this child, save her life all the time. She's always ready to kill herself. So I know far better than my two-year-old what she really needs. There's a reason why the knives are locked up. The stove is up high. The fireplace is covered. Right. There's a reason why God may not have given you all the things you think you want right now. He knows. And so we've got to ask questions. There's times when our desires are really too great for us. As a, as a guy in my life, I've had to ask, hey, are my eyes bigger than my stomach? Did God place this next desire, this next place? Is that out of reach on purpose? And to be where I'm at right now with the strength I have with at this stage in life to strain for something that I'm not ready for, just like with my two-year-old, that may be actually very dangerous. It may be that ambition has been placed in you and God may have that in the future for you, but we're not ready for it yet. We still need to grow. We need to, to succeed here before we can grow to succeed there. When I was thinking about this this week, it made me think about the parable of the talents. I'm always sad for one talent people. That's what I'm going to call them. And Jesus talked about the one talent person. Such a missed opportunity. One of the reasons I empathize with that person is I feel like a one talent person all the time. <laughs> and for most of us, I think we kind of start there. Yeah. I've been handed one task. Maybe I really only have one thing I, I can do. God's gifted me to do. But we forget that the simple... A result of being faithful with one is that's how we become a two-talent person. I had to start being faithful with one. And so there's such a missed opportunity. The one-talent guy, if you tried, you would have been a two-talent and you could work your way up. Yeah. When my ego gets in the way and I believe I deserve the rewards of a five-talent person and I'm not willing to start with being faithful with what I have been given today... I'm not only going to miss out on the joy that God had for me to grow and to learn at this stage of life, but I will keep myself from being ready for what God wants to do tomorrow. That may be where he's leading me. When we think about this psalm, we're not saying this is not about having ambition. It's not about not working hard, not striving for things. And we all live there. We're, we're wanting more. It's that fear, that feeling you're talking about, I haven't made it. Well, you haven't made it yet. We've got places God is going to take us. And you want the promotion, you want the the success. But today, if my boss hasn't promoted me yet, and the only thing he's put in front of me is, Grant, you mop this floor, then as a Christian, I should be mopping the floors like nobody else. And just watch what happens to a worker who does their job incredibly well. With joy, that person is going to go places. If we stopped worrying about what we don't have, we took what God has handed us, what he's put in our reach right in front of us. If we're faithful there, you will be amazed at what God does when you're faithful with the little things. I actually have a theory when it comes to this topic, because 
I'm a person of ambition. I want things for my life. I'm also a PK, raised poor, not having what <laughs> others have. And so there's always a desire for more. But I, I think the frustration we feel, and sometimes uh, it's just a, it's that frustration. God, why didn't you give me that? Why mm-hmm. is that the whys and the ifs? Once again, I'm I'm struggling with that. I actually believe that that may be your greatest strength down the road. There's a reason that's in you, and God is teaching you something at this stage. But you're not ready for what's next. And if you rob yourself of that, you're not going to be ready for what God has next. I want to give you an example to explain this. I play video games with my kids from time to time. As a lifelong gamer, I can usually pick up the level and pass it and grow with the challenges of the game. While my girls are just starting in video games. I got an eight-year-old, and and when, every time she hands me the remote for whatever the game is, says, Dad, pass this level for me. I have to look at her and says, no, I can't do that for you. I mean, I can do that for you. I'm able. But if you don't learn how to deal with the challenges here, you're not going to be able to play the game later because it's, it's only going to get more challenging. Mm-hmm. The big ambition you have, the longing for more, may not be wrong. It doesn't have to be wicked. But you miss out on how God's going to grow you here and now, where you're at, that will keep you from being able to do what he's calling you to do in the future and becoming the person he's trying to shape you to be here and now. The psalmist was able to say, confidently say where his heart was not, where his eyes were not, what he was not occupied with. But I don't know that we can all say that with him today. Right. I'd, and that's a question I had for you. For people like me, right? Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I don't know that I can say that. I think I do have a lot of the what ifs and why. Why have things not worked out? I feel like I've done this. And and so there's that level of not feeling that contentment that it seems as though this psalm is talking about. So so how do I pray that? How do we pray that? Yeah, we need to start with uh, honesty before we can claim humility, like this writer had here. I would just simply take the same words of the verse one, and I would add uh, two little words to make it a question. Okay. Not changing the meaning. I'm just going to add two words. Instead of making a statement about where our heart is at, because honestly, our heart's probably not with the psalmist right now. We're not ready for this yet. Then I would ask, add these two little words, is my, is my, same verse. But now I'm asking, oh Lord, is my heart lifted up? Not lifted up to you, God. Lord, am I desiring status? Do I want more respect than I feel like I'm being given right now? Next line, oh Lord, are my eyes raised too high? Am I expecting wealth and rewards more than I currently hold and feel like you're robbing me of something? Am I occupied with uh, things that are too great, that are too marvelous for me. And that happens. We believe that without receiving these comforts, these rewards, if I don't get my brand, not even brand new, my old Jeep Wagoneer, my dream car, then I can't be happy or I'm being wronged in some sense. We need to take that prayerfully. And I would encourage you to read this later and let the Holy Spirit search your heart in this. And so what am I doing? Am I, am I, am I waiting my listening, the Holy Spirit is just searching me out and, and I'm leaving that space in that moment 
It's not for me to answer, right? I'm, and I'm waiting for the Lord to, to reveal to me where and how I'm doing this. I think the Spirit will meet your honest request. Uh, you may already really know the answer. And <laughs> my heart, you know, my heart is lifted up and not to the Lord. It's it's desiring these things. My eyes are focused on the wrong thing. I'm fully occupied. You may already know, but the Holy Spirit comes in with his power. And when he comes in convicting you, especially when you're really willing to humble yourself and let him search your heart, that is a very frightening thing. But remember, his conviction is not to lead you to shame. It's to lead you to God's grace. God's already got an answer for you. And he wants to lead you to the life Jesus died to give you. This is his desire. So it is a humble request before the Lord. It's being willing to humble ourselves and be honest about where we really are. And the Spirit will reveal that. And that may take some time. Maybe you need to go take a walk and think about it. Um, some of you would ask your spouse. <laughs> they would tell you. Um, but for any of us to have the courage, every time I've come before the Lord with that much raw openness to God, being willing to really pour out my heart and let him speak to me, I'm always scared. I'm growing less scared now because every time I've done that, he's met me tenderly and graciously and reminded me of his love. So uh, offered up, is my heart lifted up to the wrong things? Are my eyes raised too high? Am I occupied with things today that are too great and too marvelous for me? And we'll look in just a minute what a contrast it is because nothing is greater Nothing is more marvelous than the one who wants to draw you to himself over and over again. Right. Right. Our second move. And uh, we find this in verse two. But I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. We get to the very poetic part of this psalm. Consider both the descriptions. What a word picture they're painting. Now, initially, when Chris and I were looking at this, I glanced over and I just was reading a child and its mother. And I was thinking, well, of course, that's how you're content, a child with its mother. And I was missing that key word, the powerful description of a weaned child with its mother. A newborn and a child, a weaned child, they are both dependent on their mother. But the newborn has to be carried, fed milk, it's pretty helpless without mom. A weaned child is a little more capable, but far from independent. Both need to look to the provision of their mother. Both are dependent on their mother, but the weaned child has learned, mom will give me food when I need it. I'm learning to feed myself. It still comes from her, still provided by my family, but when it's time, it will be there. A baby does not have this understanding. And growing believers don't always have this understanding either. We need to learn this as Faithful as a loving mother is, she is minor compared to the faithfulness of God. We have a God who feeds, who leads, and we get to be with him. We get to grow with him as he helps us. We don't have to just cry to get his attention like a child, like a baby. We get to learn from him, enjoy him, leave all of our worries at his feet. He will provide. He will promote when it's time. He will move us when it's time for us to move. And so we may not be ready to say with the psalmist, I have done this. And so once again, we'll make this a question today. Am I, would be the two words I would add to make this a question. Am I calmed 
and quieted in my soul. As you pray that, let the Spirit reveal that to you and be honest with yourself. Just because you're busy, just because the bills are paid, uh, just because we're semi-happy does not mean our soul is calm and quieted. It may not even know where to look for that. So ask, am I calm and quieted in my soul? Because like a weaned child with my mother, I have learned to trust the Lord. Am I calm and quieted in my soul? Because like a weaned child, my soul is within me because my God is my strength. He is my hope. He is walking with me and I'm content in his care, in his plan. Our final move in verse three. O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. It looked like the first two portions, the first two verses, David is saying, here's where I am. Here's where my heart is. And now it seems as though he's turning it to his people. And I'm reminded in my own self how often my prayers are centered on me, focused on me. Uh, and, and, and that stems out a lot of my lack of contentment. Mm-hmm. And so this, this prayer, this outward prayer, it comes from, from that, does it not? It, the, the position to be able to pray for others as we should comes from being weaned ourselves of the things we're striving for, right? We're content in our Savior. We're content in our Lord. And we just naturally will look out. Yeah, I think you're getting to the heart of what makes a person of prayer powerful in their prayer. When other people come to us and we tell them to trust in the Lord, if you haven't found why you can trust in the Lord, if you're not seeing him show up, if you're not able to join the psalmist here, our prayers are pretty weak. And so that outward focus with your family, with your friends, it's never going to have much power. Like we know we ought to trust in the Lord, but the person who actually has learned, I'm trusting in the Lord, I'm calm, I'm content, he is meeting me every day. Then when my friends, my family, someone comes to me and needs me, and I'm able to point you to God, uh, I'm able to say, no, trust in the Lord now and forevermore, because he has shown up today, he will show up tomorrow. So it will naturally flow out of us to the people around us. But that wrestles with the heart of this. Do you trust in the Lord? For where you are today, right now, do you actually believe that God has placed you exactly where you are supposed to be? And that's difficult because I've made a lot of mistakes and I wish I'd go back and redo a lot of things over again in my life. But today I have to trust God knew all that and still place me today where he wants me to be. He will care, he will provide, and I can trust him now and forevermore. And so we got to look right to God. In our prayers, I like to start with praise, um, and that's what we're going to do here in just a moment. When you know why you trust God, what is true, right, and good about him, you will have stronger faith for what's to come. Like your belief in God is the single most crucial foundation for your life. That tells us the most important thing about you, what you actually believe God to be. The psalm here doesn't talk much about God. It has infant imagery. It's a, it's, it's a song talking about a kid, but this is really a psalm for the mature. You need to know the other truths about God that the other psalms have talked about, that the history of the Bible shows you his power 
and his might and his faithfulness to work. They declare his power, his love, his glory, his trustworthiness. So today, if you haven't learned that he's trustworthy for yourself, not that the Bible says he's trustworthy, not that you're supposed to say that, but if you are still living life in your limited strength, have the courage to say, I will put my trust in you, Lord. I used to say it in a really unfaithful way. Um, I would tell people as a pastor, when God really got a hold of me with this, Chris, I'd say, you know, I'm taking a gamble. Mm-hmm. And here's my gamble. I'm going to believe God is who he says he is. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't a gamble. But it felt that risky at times. To even to other Christian pastors to say, I'm going to trust that God is who he says he is. And when he tells me to move, I'll move. And when he tells me to stay, I'll stay uh, because my ambition wants to lead me elsewhere. But he's always proven to be right. So if you have not learned this, let today be the day that you take the gamble, that you put your cards on the table before the Lord, that you come before him. And this is that move from saying, I believe the difference between, I believe that he's, that Jesus is the Savior to I believe Jesus is my Lord. The difference between saying, I believe God is real, to believe I believe God is good, and I can trust him, and I will now live for him. That is the moment your life will change, and you are going to see his goodness over and over again. So there's a lot to meditate on it, but the core of this psalm, the reason we can get our heart right, is because we have our trust placed in God. 